Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the History Hit World Wars podcast, a podcast that's dedicated to that turbulent period in history between 1914 and 1945. I'm James Rogers, a war historian, writer and broadcaster who presents the Untold Weapons of War series on History Hit TV. In this series, we focus on the marginalised and, well, often silenced aspects of wartime history. And in this podcast, first recorded for Dan Snow's History Hit, Dan talks with the excellent John Acumfra, a director, writer and curator of Mimesis African Soldier, an installation at the Imperial War Museum which commemorated Africans who fought, served and died during the First World War. John and Dan discuss the millions of African soldiers, labourers and carriers who participated in the war, risking their lives on the African continent and across Western Europe. This podcast provides an eye-opening perspective on the First World War and its truly global landscape. John. Dan. (laughs) Tell me about this project. It sounds pretty cool. Um, Well... About three years ago, uh, an organization called 1418 now approached uh, a number of organizations to find out whether they wanted to do something on uh, African or colonial soldiers and the First World War. And via a very complicated route, it arrived at our door, a request to make something. And so my project, which is one of probably 20 this year, is um, essentially on the road that African and colonial soldiers and laborers played in the war. Now, for people who don't know, can you give me a sense of why would there have been Africans involved in the First World War? Because the French, the Germans and the Brits all had empires, so. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, the, 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 this is really the uh, uh, argument that we wanted to make with this. The First World War is generally understood as a European affair. And in more ways than one, it is. Uh, But one of the ways in which it is a European affair is that these great European nations had colonies. Um, And so when you're involved in campaigns where you're losing 50,000 men a day, at some point your mind tends to (laughs) a reserve army of of soldiers and laborers who could fill in for that. And so very, very quickly, 
um, I think in really the first couple of months, actually. Soldiers and laborers from uh, British colonies, French colonies, the odd German, Portuguese, I mean, pretty much every major European colonial power started to essentially dragoon its colonial subjects into, into the war. So in the end, we ended up with something like six million overall across the, uh, across the planet. So in that sense, David Olushoga is right when he says in his book that the First World War was a global war because people came from literally every corner of the globe to fight, both here but elsewhere, you know. And in fact, there was a yeah, there was obviously a, a campaign as well in in uh, in East Africa as well. So I mean, there was actual actual fighting, and the numbers of like Congolese, uh, a number of Cong- Congolese people under Belgian command that were dragooned in as well. It's remarkable. I mean, it's huge numbers. It's very very difficult to get the exact numbers right because almost every historian <laughs> seems to have a different number. But we think something like two million uh, soldiers and laborers came from India, Africa, and Asia. Well, so Asia, Africa, and the Americas to fight in Europe and to service in Europe. Um, And of those, a good, I'd say, three quarters of a million were were African and West African. Um, So, yeah, a lot of people. And what, so what's, what was your idea behind this project? What's your vision for it? I wanted to do something that first changed the perception of the role played by, by African soldiers and laborers. Essentially, uh, the view that we came across in the research is that if Africans played any role, it was a largely supplementary one. So they carried a few boxes, which are not really supposed to be important. You know, the real job is to fight and die. Um, so the, the, the object of the exercise was twofold. One was to uh, reprioritize, if you like, the role of labor in the war itself, to get people to understand both visually and, and narratively how central to the effort lifting boxes were. <laughs> You know, uh, and having done that, to then scurry around and see how much material we can find of African and African-American or African diaspora subjects actively participating in the battles themselves. So that was a two sort of twin uh, heads of this project. One to reprioritize the significance of labor and the other was to you know, uh, restate again the importance of African soldiers in the campaigns. And what's the what's the plan? Because it's, it's got a, it's not just a film, it's a very visual project. This. What's the plan so artistically? Yes. I mean, the plan was to make something that works in the gallery. We've tried to avoid being a historical do- documentary because I think there are enough that do the job really well. Um, uh, mine is a multi-screen piece. It's three screens. About... 30 feet across so the experience of it is important and the experience is one of trying to get you into the front seat not just of the war but how the war was experienced by people of African origin that's the most important thing for me that you understand the role and the experiences of Africans in 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 the four years that the war took 
So it's big, big scale projection, which it could be in a gallery or it could be in situ as well. It could be in the gallery and it certainly could be in the cinema. But I mean, I think the, the, the important thing is uh, it works best in a gallery. And what and is it are you seeing archive are you seeing so when you when you come in uh you will be confronted with three screens and on the three screens at any one time will be a combination of material some material that we've shot which would in conventional historical terms be called reconstructions if you like you know so there'll be reconstructions there will be um archival material, there'll be photographs, but treated in a very kind of unusual way. You just have to go and see it to know what I mean. <laughs> just go and see it, everyone. <laughs> treated in a very unusual way. And it's that ensemble of material that makes up the, the, the three screens. And were you able to find enough archival material featuring people from outside Europe uh, taking part in the First World War? Because that, was that what the propagandists and the filmmakers wanted to show? Yes. Not at all. I mean, I think this project is very much like many of the ones we've done in the past, which is, uh, and that is really projects that are trying to excavate what's called in kind of history programming, untold stories. <laughs> you know, we do untold stories. Um, and the reason why they, they are complicated is because inevitably there is material. It's there. It's not huge amount but you have to find ways of uncovering it so for instance if you want to find uh, images uh, either photographic or moving of Africans in France there's no point in asking any librarian for African soldiers because that as an organizing category for archives is pretty meaningless in 1914 there's not really any point even in stressing nationality, for instance. I mean, don't go asking for Senegalese soldiers. Um, you won't find many. But there are trailers, there are wallops, there are bambaras, there are, you know, so you, you need to dial first into the mindset of the turn of the last century, how people would have been seen, categorized, how they would have presented themselves, how they would have named themselves. And once you begin to get that, then things start to appear. Not much, not a huge amount, but you can get more. You can get more if you go looking for Wolof soldiers rather than Senegalese soldiers. You can get more if you look for Tamil uh, soldiers or Bengali soldiers rather than Indians. You know, it's just the way in which the linguistic slips of naming um, have to be navigated. You just have to realise that things have changed. Uh, uh, it's a hundred years ago and nothing's remained the same, basically. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? 
helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. With, with primary source material, was as much attention devoted to collecting the, the memories and the, and the oral histories of African troops as there was with, with white British troops after the war? No, um, no, 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 not at all. <laughs> Good try, Dan Snow. <laughs> I tell you what's interesting, though, is that occasionally you come across something that no one would have done, certainly for Scottish soldiers. So a German... Uh, university managed to get African and Asian prisoners of war sent to them so that they can record them. They can record either their songs or poetry or... Kind of anthropologically. Exactly. But, you know, so what we've got then, you end up inadvertently with this record of how the range of voices, quite literally the range of voices involved in the campaign from the African and Asian side. Most of it's pretty useless <laughs> now because of the quality, but at least you get a sense of, of people, just that tone in their voice. And it was, it was really useful in the end because if you had a photograph of a, a trailer, a Senegalese trailer, I could listen to the voice and then try and somehow imagine the two having some relationship. You think, okay, well, that could be him singing that song. There. You know, it, it helped in that kind of way. You know, There were the odd um, recordings in the same library of, for instance, uh, soldiers from, from Scotland or, or the North. And it was interesting. <laughs> um, just how much we've changed. <laughs> All of us. It's, it's not just the Africans who've changed. Um, listening to the Scottish soldiers, you think, hmm, I've not heard that accent for a while now. You know, so it's it's just one of those remarkable and fertile things that you uh, come across when you do historical research. You learn literally so much about yourself <laughs> and others. So, um, are you are you an artist, especially on this project? You're an artist, are you a historian, are you a storyteller. What are you doing? I'm an artist, first and foremost. I mean, a historian, God, I wish I could say that. I mean, I am interested, uh, more than that, I'm more than interested. I am fascinated by the ways in which the, the historical inventory, if you like, can be commandeered for either storytelling purposes or uh, aesthetic purposes in the gallery space. So that's my principal aim. It's it, it's to see whether I can sneak in either through the front or back doors historical material 
that might be useful for making projects? So I talk to novelists on this podcast and, and they often say, you know what? In fact, one of the best historian also, historians also writes novels. And, and he told me that he thinks he gets closer to the truth when he's writing novels than when he's actually researching history and basing everything on actual sources. What do you think artists can bring this centenary that can give us a fuller picture, a, more, a real, real picture of, of what happened 100 years ago? Well, we can, we can recirculate things differently. And by doing that, give them a new affective urgency, a new emotional urgency. What do I mean by that? Okay, well, one of the things you come across when you research Africans, and especially African-Americans during the First World War, is this slightly shocking and startling fact, which is that there are more images of them dancing and eating than there are of them fighting. <laughs> Hundreds of feet of people dancing. It's almost as if every cameraman who was sent to the front or to any region saw some black people and then just wandered up. Get me the black guys dancing. <laughs> I want the cockneys drinking tea. I want Can, the Scotsman <laughs> fighting. I don't know. <laughs> Can we have a dance? Yeah. You know, it was that kind of thing. Um, now, uh, the thing is that, of course, if you can choose not to use that material if you want to. But, but if it if you place it right in your project, it acquires a poignancy and a pathos that you would never be able to have got otherwise. You know, so we can, we can give things a new emotional value by just recirculating them differently, by repositioning them differently. Um, and it's not about saying, oh, you're terrible, you're racist. I'm, I'm sure it probably is that too, but that's not the point. The point is that, you know, when you say you're going to work um, as an artist using historical fragments, you have the chance. It's a very rare chance to make immortal, you know, things that everyone has consigned to the dustbin. <laughs> you, can, you can bring them back again with a new urgency, a new feeling, actually, so that people could watch these guys dancing, hundreds of them, in a two-minute sequence and think, wow, actually, that's quite nice. You know? um, that's the value of what we do, it seems to me. Um, why, why is it important that we, we do tell the story of these people that have been overlooked traditionally? You know, the thing is that if you... I can tell you why I need to do it. And that might, in a way, help make sense of it for others. If you say that you're black British, if, if you say that you're a black British artist, one of the things that becomes an obligation is to try and figure out the complicated ways in which this black Britishness has come into being. And you are fortunate enough to have certain flashpoints where the question of this identity is thrown into very sharp relief, you know, and the First World War happens to be one of them. So I have to do this because I want to understand how we came to be. And I think anyone else who's also interested in that question from any side needs to see this because there are very, very many arguments you can make against the Nigel Farages of this world. And one of them is, you know, just go and understand the First World War. Once you've understood it properly, you don't say the crass things that people like that say about what constitutes Britishness. So that's why I do what I'm doing. 
and I, yeah, I can't let you go without asking about your multi-award winning uh, work you've done on civil rights, particularly in the US. I mean, you hear some people in Britain going, why are we teaching our kids about the civil rights in the US? Like, what is that? How is that relevant for our kids living in Britain today in 2018? What do you say to that? I mean, I, it's easier for me uh, and my generation to say it's important. So I'll say why it was important for my generation. And then maybe that might have a bearing on, on current young kids going through the education system. You know, in the 60s, when we were coming of age, there seemed then to be a kind of spark, a light. And it was coming from somewhere on the other side of the Atlantic. And it said the question of what constitutes blackness or hyphen identity, whether it's African-American or Hispanic, needed to be placed at the forefront of things. The, the subjugated people who had been denied things on the basis of their ethnicity, race, color, call it what you like, needed to, to make the struggle for themselves. They needed to fight for the right to be citizens. And that was really, really useful growing up in England in the 60s. You really felt as if this was a kind of helping hand, you know. As you grew up, you began to understand that the the question of civil rights in, in North America was a, North, was a universal one. It's not, you know, um, that in a way what was going on there was... Uh, uh, to be seen in South Africa, you know, uh, parts of the Middle East, you know, uh, Asia. You know, it was just, it was just the 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 civil rights movement in, in in North America was the most dramatic manifestation of it. But but all the narratives that made up that struggle were themselves universal. And if you understand uh, uh, the struggle for black emancipation in in, in North America, then you. you you kind of understand quite a few other struggles elsewhere, you know. So I, I'm, I'm interested in the civil rights years because I think it sheds light on other parts of the globe. But I'm interested in it because as a young person of colour, it really helped me grow. And I wouldn't be what I am now without that struggle. Uh, so I'm, I'll always be grateful to it. How cool, though, that you that, go back and tell that young man now that you've interviewed nearly every significant civil rights leader from that era. What, what would, he, would he have believed that his slightly older self would have achieved that? No. I mean, there are very many things my younger self wouldn't believe. Uh, and definitely one of them uh, is the idea that I would, I would get a chance to meet so many of the heroes and heroines uh, of ours from that period. So, yeah. That, <laughs> no, I don't think he would at all. <laughs> Great stuff. How can people so people can go to the Imperial Museum? How can they follow you and your work ongoing? Uh, uh, I have exhibitions in London, across the country, all the time. Yes, just come to the Smoking Dogs Films website, and we usually have something on there. Why are you laughing? <laughs> the Smoking Dogs Films. The Smoking Dogs Films website, um, which is a company that I, I'm, and the studio that I'm based in, uh, usually has information about what we're up to. Smoking Dogs Films on Facebook website. Go and check it out, everyone. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast and good luck with the exhibition at the IWM. Thank you.
the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. And before you go, remember, as a Warfare listener, you get a special discount at History Hip. Subscribers get access to blissfully, uninterrupted, ad-free podcasts and thousands of hours of history documentaries. You've got everything from the American Revolution to my own documentaries like Traces of War, Weapons of War and 24 Hours in Normandy, where I follow in the footsteps of the Green Howards on D-Day from their beach landings to being awarded the Victoria Cross and all the way through their first day where they made it seven miles inland further than any other British or American unit. So head over to historyhit.com forward slash subscribe or follow the link in the show notes and use the code WARFARE to get 50% off your next three months. That's the code WARFARE to get 50% off. And if you're an Apple listener, you can subscribe for new ad-free episodes within the app. So give it a go. I know you're gonna love it.